I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to the 50th episode of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined today by Jason and Ben. Gents, hello. Good evening. How are you both? I'm good. Good, thank you. you. Hi, gents. Hello. Uh, Honoured to be on, on number 50. Congratulations to you both. A, a fine effort. Thank you. Yes, it's, uh, we. it wasn't actually planned that it was going to be the Masters as a 50th episode, I must admit. Um, you didn't do a bonus episode last week. You didn't do a double on the Houston Open just to get your number up there. No, we, uh, we snuck in a little Will Wilcox interview, didn't we, uh, Jason, just to just to take us to the 50th. And uh, But no, it's, it's timely that, that this has come on the 50th episode, and thank you both for being a part of it. So, um, look, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it, this Masters? It feels like it was forever ago that we saw Tiger Woods win that historic uh you know 15th major um it, it are we expecting too much different ben this time around you know from an april i know we've just been speaking uh before we came on that it's probably going to play a little bit longer uh softer but should it all sort of same similar test to what we normally see in april yeah i would think so um you know everyone who, who's been over the last three or four weeks has has tended to agree i think that it it has been soft there's been a, ro- a lot of rain in georgia obviously there's been rain prior to other masters um and we'll hear i'm sure the sub air i think sub air systems is on your uh, masters bingo card isn't it so the, you know the, the greens aren't going to run 10 on the stint meter um but i guess we'll we'll find out when they begin i mean rory was fairly uh fairly um what's the word i don't know pragmatic about it it, it just you know what will be will be We'd, we'll see what the course throws up and we'll deal with it I mean, they're, they're professionals they'll cope just fine I, I do think it's an interesting angle that I'm sure some will will tout this week that you know it's 1979 again another for your Masters bingo card since the last and only debutant <laughs> won the Masters and and now they've at least got this thing where it's in November and there's not going to be fans there and I think if we rewind to the podcast where we discussed the the PGA Championship um, I think we mentioned Spieth and Rory and a few others were saying look that no fans it's going to be very different and I wouldn't be surprised if some youngster who's never been in contention for a major won it lo and behold um colin morikawa won and paul casey held firm and then even the us open matt wolf the 54 hole leader and bryson stepping up on what he'd done before in majors so i think there's been some weight to that argument and i think it is an interesting uh, line that, that this week we could see a very strong bunch of rookies um play better than them in the past we'd have expected um so i think it's really interesting but there's still no substitute for a bit of experience around augusta yeah, absolutely. Anything to add on that sort of comment there, Jason, maybe about the debutants or anything like that? No, I mean, um, look, we discussed it earlier. Uh, I've got, I mean, they are extremely strong. Of course they are. Uh, but ultimately, I think, um, I, I think looking at, you know, I mean, we know all the past winners. We, you know, we've been there. We've watched it all. I just think at the top of the market, you've got distance. You've got greens in reg. You've got, you've got everything in, in a few players. And, I think to knock them over, you're going to require uh, an amazing performance by a debutant. Um, that's, you know, that's my view. I don't think, uh, you know, you know, let's let's all pray to the might of Tiger, but uh, uh, you know, we're talking about. We'll, we'll see what happens. We're talking about players that I'm sure we'll talk about very very shortly, um, that are just killing it in every respect from tee to green. I mean, there seems very very little weakness, and I just think for somebody to do that. Yeah, granted, you haven't got that lead up to the Masters. I'm sure we we both 
we're excited that the Masters is on, but it just for whatever reason it hasn't got that opening major of the season. Um, whether the players feel that, obviously the fans, the, the way the press is, that drive down Magnolia Lane, etc. They may not feel it, in which case, yeah, they might do better. But for me, um, I just think the top and the experience is so so strong. They're, they're just going to have to perform way and above what we've seen so far. Yeah, I think Ben. You know, it's hard to to second guess people because I think that the the no patrons and things there is it can work in both ways. But I think if I was a, a rookie and it was my first Masters and the first time I'd seen Augusta and there was no crowd to share that excitement with, I think I'd feel a little bit flat. But by the other sense, um, you know, it could you know make things a lot easier and take a lot of pressure off if you're you know in contention Saturday and Sunday. So it really does depend person to person how they deal with that. I would have thought. 100%, yeah, and I think that's a very good point you make that, you know, I, I probably would feel the same. I guess most of them have got the the consolation of they'll be back here in April, and I think that's another interesting angle here, isn't it, that we can we can perhaps learn a lot about these bright young things on the on the PGA Tour with a view to April, and I'm sure the anti-post market for the April Masters will be um, shifting throughout the week. So another, another fascinating angle, but I, I do agree. I mean, ultimately... I guess what you would say about um, Harding Park and Winged Foot and how they were different is that ultimately they, they'd not been at Harding Park for five years and I think 13 years since there was a stroke play event yet there. And Winged Foot, was that 13 or 14 years as well? So um, it was new to all of them. And there's no doubt that um, those who've been to Augusta before, because we, we can talk about those traditions and the, the, the drive and the, the patrons and pimento cheese whatever you want to talk about um the the reason experience really counts at augusta as we know is is that we are talking about a, a unique golf course with uh where you can miss five feet the wrong side and and you're going to run up a double bogey and i think it's that which which maintains the significance of experience so i i definitely focus on experience this week um but i'd be i think it's probably the first time i've tipped a master's rookie among my staking plan but it wouldn't be a one of the more confident selections yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the people that we will talk about is is Matthew Wolfe. He's one of those debutants. And like you say, he's had two very good uh, finishes in the majors. Um, but a very important point you made there is that, you know, both Harding Park and Wingfoot are used so sparingly on, on tour that it's a completely different test for most people. Uh, Colin Morikawa had the experience of Harding Park, maybe more than others in terms of knowing the greens and things like that. So those two didn't have an edge, but they... They're probably just as comfortable as everybody else around there. But Jason, you know, you can't, you can't sort of replace that experience, can you? I know there's been a, um, yeah, a lot of people trying to talk about maybe there's a bit of a myth in terms of experience because, you know, the likes of Willett one after just one for the previous look, Spieth one just before one previous look. But you know, Willett's was kind of extraordinary circumstances. Spieth an extraordinary player. Um, I think you do need at least one or two looks. So. Yes, maybe a rookie can play well, as we do generally see most times. It wouldn't surprise me at all, especially if 11 plays on offer, to see a Wolf, a Morikawa, uh, a Scheffler, a Champ, someone like that in the, the top 11. But to actually expect one to win is probably a bit of a tall order, like you just said. Yeah, I think Ben's right. It's it's what they've always said. You need to, I think Phil used to say it all the time, didn't he? It's where not to hit it. And ultimately, that's that's what this is about. I mean... I know Houston probably has no relevance, but it was quite interesting watching that over the weekend where they were on the wrong side of the hole. Um, whether It didn't matter whereabouts, left, right, front, back. Um, there were some really difficult putts, really swinging putts. And um, like I say, it's got no 
immediate relevance to this week. But it, it was the same thing. If you played that tournament again, um, a lot of these players will now know not to go long. I mean, Jason Day hit a shot. I can't remember what hold it was. Um, no fan anyway. But Jason Day hit a shot. Um, I think it landed 20 foot, 20 foot short and went through the back of the green. Uh, Sam Burns then played virtually the same shot from just in front, learned a hell of a lot, landed it 35 foot short and landed next to the pin. So experience, you know, uh, counts for an awful lot. And uh, yeah, not Matthew Wolf, Morikawa, whoever you want to put up, they, you know, they're amazingly talented. Um, let's face it, this field was fixed quite a while ago as well. Um, so we are missing some players that, that maybe well, almost certainly would have got in um, had the qualification period been extended. Um, uh, you know, I repeat it. I, I think you've got to have experience. And I think the front end is is just so good this year. I, I'd be amazed if they all get beaten. Yeah, and that, that's the thing is I've found it really hard. Uh, normally, I'm quite bullish about a, a top selection. And normally, it's been a Justin Rose uh, in the past. I was, was quite happy with him. Uh, Bubba, generally. Um but it's been really hard, I think, to, to separate these guys. And I suppose Bryson's going to show us uh, as a as an 8-1 to one favourite what to expect. And I, I, I sort of maintain that I think he'll learn a lot about what he can do here this time in preparation for April, Ben. And, I, and I'm not sure. I know, obviously, you've been you're fairly vocal in, in opposing him here. Um, and I think it's not easy to oppose an 8-1 to favourite. But there's so such talented and such experienced players around him, around Augusta. Uh, further down the bet and it's probably you know best to look elsewhere maybe yeah um look i don't want to get too it, these things come back to bite you and I, <laughs> I, I i generally don't like i probably did once upon a time but as i get older and slightly more sensible like I, there's not great value in talking down anybody else's fancies like if you fancy a goal for fight who am i to tell you not to back them right um but i will tell you why why i, I think bryson's a, a bad price and i, I as well qualify that by saying i don't think bad prices are as big a deal during the majors you're going to get 10 11 places who cares if it's an eight to one shot it should be 10 to one because we've got to figure out the place part and, and all those things so it is complicated but a couple of things one he was 25 to one at winged foot and of course then we didn't know what we know now but i don't think he was a I don't think he's improved as a player in the interim. Obviously, his confidence will have soared. But I I watched the US Open and, and felt, well, they could not have built a golf course better for Bryson DeChambeau. If they come here every year, he will be a you know 10-time US Open winner by the end of his career. Because um, we can talk all we like about um, you know the fact that he did miss a lot of fairways and uh, the, the fact that I guess Rory McIlroy was statistically the best player off the tee that week. The key for me was that Bryson DeChambeau produced the best strokes gained approach figure in the field. I would imagine it's the best of his career. How did he do that? It wasn't because everyone played from the fairway and he all of a sudden has become a great iron player because he was outside the top 100 last year. It was that they were all playing from the rough. And when they're all playing from the rough, the guy who can get the ball out of the rough for starters is a huge advantage. And time and again, he was hitting his wedges or his eight, nine irons to 20 feet, 30 feet. And that is gaining on the field when other people can only chop it out. So that's one thing. I think winged foot was fundamentally a better course for him because I, I keep hearing that Augusta's wide open so you can hit it anywhere. Yeah, that's true. But he's going to be playing from the fairway and so will everybody else. And when that is the case, I, for me, that is why Augusta has been a second shot golf course. You'll see the statistics during the rounds, but in the five years they've collected strokes gained data, the leader in strokes gained has won three of them and the, one of the others was Justin Rose and the worst has been Jordan Spieth when he was third behind Patrick Reed. So you could have had four out of the five 
last five winners led in strokes gain approach. So that fundamentally is the main bit about Bryson, right? The other thing I would say, and this has changed somewhat because DJ is now into nine to one and they'll sound like there's some hypocrisy here because I'm not siding with DJ for that reason that he's come in three points from, from last Wednesday. Please, someone explain to me how Bryson DeChambeau has been the best golfer on the planet the last six months. He hasn't, has he? The best golfer has been Dustin Johnson. The second best golfer has been John Rahm. The third best golfer has been Justin Thomas. In, in my opinion, I mean, you can probably argue the last one there, but Bryson is not a better golfer than Dustin Johnson. And now he's going to go a favorite at a course where DJ has a superior record. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I think if you took away the name and, and just looked at the numbers people would say, well, that, that seems a bit silly. And I think it is silly. So yeah, he, he'd have been interesting at 12 or 14, but at eight to one, I, I think the bird has flown. If you're on at 20 is good luck, but um, not at eight to one. And I think you'll, uh, you'll, you'll follow up with that, Jason, and, and probably completely agree. I think one thing that I wanted to, to uh, highlight there was the point that, you know, yes, it is wide open. I think that's what people are getting so excited about is the fact that, and they're buying into the hype, they hits it so far and it'll be wide open. So he won't get into trouble. Um, but neither will you know neither will many other people either, and I suppose it would come down to the creativity aspects of the shots that are going in, um, and and I think you'll find that the others are more creative than Bryson in those situations. Uh, Jason, that's a massive thing that you've always focused on was his touch around the greens, and maybe even it comes down to his approaches as well. Yeah, I think on a hard yeah, I just think on a hard golf course where everybody is disadvantaged, he's he's I shouldn't say he got no chance, but you know he has much less chance than more natural players. Um, I, you know, I've been saying it all year. I, you know, I don't like the way he, he scrambles. The the problem is, look, I, I don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to do around here. The hype is there. You know, his price is shortened because of the hype. Um, it's gone on and on and on and hasn't stopped. Um, I know Ben tweeted this um, this article in uh, golf.com Um you know what Bryson was doing he was he was taking I mean it's just ridiculous you know he's hitting sandwiches into the par four ninth pitching wedge into the four nine five yard tenth nine iron into the five or five uh, yard uh, par four eleventh and he's hitting seven irons as his approach to uh, par fives the hype's there that's why the price is there isn't it um and I, I thought it was very 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 funny his comment where he, you know he was talking about um what the course is going to play um, it, on conditions changing and, and off he goes number one may be different I don't know two is different three is different five is different seven be different eight is different nine is different eleven and on and on and on he goes and he loves it he, he clearly loves it. Um, it you know most people have bought into it should he be favourite over DJ no DJ should be favourite is he going to be out of the top ten no um, so you pay your money you take your choice um, I wouldn't trust him head-to-head with too many people um, on finals day if it got sort of very quick on the greens. Um, uh, that said, do I see him collapsing and being out of the frame? No. So 8-1, to 10-1, to one, like you say, does it make any difference when you've got 11 places? He, he won't be out of the frame. Uh, whether he wins, I wouldn't put my money on him winning, uh, but it, it's, he'll be there, wouldn't he? It's, it's impossible for him not to be. Yeah, and I think, you know, a point just to, to elaborate on what you said the other day, Ben, about, um, you know, rather than hearing that he had a sandwich into, you know, whatever green it was, I want to know how that, you know, ended up, you know, the result Absolutely. of that. Um, Absolutely. And at the end of the day, like, the other thing as well is, that, okay, yes, he might have 
uh, a sandwich into green and Justin Thomas might have a picture measure or a nine iron or whatever it is he's, that he's got in his hand. Um, but Justin Thomas's approach is, uh, you know, he's the best in the world by a margin, generally speaking, uh, with his approaches. So that's just as much of a as a factor as it is that Bryson just having a short club in his hands. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a risk, isn't there, that the, the gap he has is overplayed in terms of uh, at a practical level what it means. And you're right, it, it's generally a difference in a 56 degree or a 54 degree. The, 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 these other guys are not short, right? Um, so, I mean, it, I, I think Jason makes a very good point and probably a, a more measured argument than I would because I, I do sound, I can't help it, that I'm, I'm talking down his chance. I think he's got a great chance um, because he drives the ball so well and so far that okay um his sandwiches might not be great but he's still a bad sandwich 25 feet he's got a birdie chance when a lot of people on that hole will be struggling for par um obviously i'm sure people have seen this but justin ray's run the numbers he's been statistically the worst putter at augusta national the last three years someone told me that well his putting's improved well it hasn't improved that much you know the last i think he spent the last three years as one of the top 30 on tour there's an argument that the lack of a green reading book is a is a factor there um like everything, the, the thing with Bryson is he tends to figure things out, doesn't he? You know, he's experimented with pretty much everything. I gather he's not putting the 48-inch driver in play, which I, personally, having taken him on, I'd rather he had. I was hoping <laughs> he would take that risk. Um, but we saw, I, someone's tweeted this afternoon, his line on 18 is to hit it over the bunker on the left as far as he can. And now that there's no crowd, there's just loads of grass. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether that pays off because... Um, you know, we can argue that architecture is less important than it was or whatever, but the, the, the fundamental key to Augusta has typically been playing your approaches from the right spot and hitting them to the right spot. And okay, if he can carry bunkers and take things out and play holes in a different configuration, but I for one don't know for sure that that is going to pay off. Um, and certainly on 18, I, I looked at it earlier actually and thought, well, he's no closer because he's just sort of going further away from the hole in a different direction. So it's going to be, look, it gives us something to, to really look forward to finding out because we know so much about Augusta. We know so much about the players at the top of the market and the real unknown is the favourite. And that's really rare in itself. So I'm glad of it. I welcome Bryson DeChambeau. I think he's a golfer to be admired. Um, but at eight to one, you, um, personally, I start by picking out the negatives, and I genuinely believe there are more negatives around Deshombo than anyone under twenty to one. Bar Brooks Kepka. Absolutely, and I think moving on to Dustin Johnson, you know, I was very much last night when Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka were both playing well. I was a bit like, right, okay, that's kind of incredibly disheartening for the rest of the field. And um, Dustin has been lights out since returning from golf. Um, like you said, he has been the best player in the world. It's, I don't think there's really a question in it. I think his mentality is, is, you know, great. You know, there was a time where he was fragile in major championships. I think that would be gone now. Um, the other interesting thing is that he constantly comes into Augusta as the world number one. Um, you know, he famously looked like he was going to, you know, romp home in 2017 and, and he fell down the stairs or whatever it was that happened. Pushed, he was pushed. <laughs> he, you know, whatever happened, happened there. Um, you know, and I just think that this time, we're talking about the, the patrons, the media etc uh, you know again he comes in as world number one but this time there's another person that everybody else is talking about you know i think that everyone being so excited about what bryson's going to do um as opposed to whether dustin johnson's going to win the masters as expected of him and there's always this trend as well isn't there about world number ones don't win at augusta and things like that i mean that's eventually going to get broken it's just like the debutants is eventually going to win you know it things will be broken and i just think that he's playing so well and his record has improved you know so significantly i mean this is a guy that struggled around augusta originally 
Um, and then after missing his cut in 2014, he's gone 6th, 4th, 10th, 2nd, um, and could have won a couple of those as well. So it will be really interesting to see what he does uh, this time around. Yeah, it will. Um, I, I, I think he, he's the most solid one. I, I, I imagine we're all in agreement with that. It's been a, a weird thing that he's just, he, he's not, and it's a bit like John Rahm in a, in a broader sense, that DJ's not really been in the mix at Augusta a lot. Now, he was last year because he came with the, the wet sail. But if you look at his positions through 54 holes, he's he's never been inside the top four. So he's not been in the final two groups. Now, he's had chance. That doesn't mean he hasn't had chances. Um, but he's, he's yet to really muscle his way in and, and be the guy that's up there um, making the turn on Sunday. Um, there's every chance that changes, isn't there? I just wondered whether, you know, we, we, we heard a lot last week about how he'd um, been a good, honourable citizen and, and done his 11 days isolation um, after the, the COVID test. And, you know, I, I've not read, I've not been able to find out whether he'd been to Augusta already. You know, Rory played 27 holes there last week. Um, Justin Thomas was there, I believe, the week before. And maybe, you know, DJ has missed two important tournaments. Um, if anyone's going to shrug that off, it's DJ. And he did that to an extent in Houston. But it was a very weak field, wasn't it? And I, th- I think it told me he he's playing as well as he was. I don't know if it told me that he'd got the the required competition in and that he might he might have missed out on a trip to Augusta and that just yeah it's one of those things again you're, you're nitpicking at nine to one because he's the best player in the world um but yeah I, I think he played very very well this week and I'd take him at even money in a match bet against Deshambo every single time I think that's the thing isn't it Jason is when you get to eight to one nine to one ten to one yes it's very hard to make a case against them because there's a reason they're that price but you do have to go into that that detail and like Ben says there you know the, the level of competition okay you know he didn't win yesterday and he got beat by Carlos Ortiz. Now, take nothing away from Carlos Ortiz, but that's not the competition he's going to face come Sunday. Um, and, you know, the two tournaments that he did miss are, you know, really strong contenders. So it, it is going to be interesting to see where his game is at. It, it suggests that last week he's absolutely in fine shape. But, it, you know, did he need more reps? You know, what do you think on that, Jason? I don't think he tried an inch over the weekend. Um, I genuinely don't. I think he just lobbed around. It didn't matter whether he won or he was fourth or he was fifth. He was just trying to get into the tournament. If he, As I say, if he fell over the line, it made absolutely no difference to him. Saw a few of his putts on Saturday, mainly, rather than last night. Um, that wasn't really bothered whether he missed a five-footer or not. He, 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 for, for me, it was literally an outing ready for Augusta. Um, look, I mean, you want to compare the two of them. I know it's it's churlish. We've had, you know, tournaments since and... and Bryce and Blah, they've played plenty of tournaments. But in 2020, uh, proximity to the hole, DJ was tied 19 um, and Bryce was tied 157. So in the point we made earlier, you know, um, bear in mind, DJ certainly hasn't gone backwards. Bryson's had the hype with his, uh, with the obvious, uh, you know, new facets that he has. Um, is he any better on the green? No. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Dustin will finish in front of him wherever they finish. DJ's figures are just, they're phenomenal, aren't they? I mean, look at the tee to green stuff is is just beyond, you know, it's just beyond reproach, really. Um, in any, you know, in a previous era, putting up those stats, he would be winning six, seven a year, you know, unquestionably. Um, yeah, I take your point about not having a run around Augusta. Does it matter to him? I generally don't really, don't really think it does to, to Dustin. He, he tees it up. That's where he wants to hit it. He hits it. Um, I think, was it at the Tour Championship where he's playing an awful lot of uh, fades off the tee? 
was it the Tour Championship? Was the BMW? I can't remember what it was now. He was playing an awful lot of fades off the tee, literally taking severe lines over trees. Some sometimes not actually managing to fade it and leave it over there. I just wonder whether everything has been a work in progress towards Augusta. And yeah, I agree. He's, he's, whatever price it is, it doesn't really matter how you do your book. He should be favourite. Absolutely. Moving on to John Rahman, and I came into this, and and I'm uh, me and Jason, I, I think uh, generally don't don't write him off, but tend to skip over him because he's normally you know short enough. And and I actually thought he was coming into this as the forgotten one of the group, and then he's been quickly backed into nine and ten to one. Um, is, is there any negatives in there? Uh, been for you other than price for John Rahm? Um Not not massive ones. I think the 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 most obvious recent negative would be that seven of his last eight putting rounds, uh, seven of his last eight rounds, he's he's lost strokes with a putter. Um, you can view it two ways. You know he's nearly won even even so, um, and um, it, he's not a bad putter. I think we know that he's putted well here before. Um, he'd probably turn it around. It's it's seven rounds. It's not a big concern, but it it's not ideal. Um, and the other, the other, I mean, just personally, like someone asked me earlier today, you know, you don't seem to tip John Rahm a lot or words to that effect. And it's absolutely right. I don't even remember tipping him ever, which is a, I think I might have tipped him for Mayakoba like in 2016 or something stupid, but um, it's, it's, he's a funny one because he's the last couple of years for me, he's been really frustrating because you know, it's all there and perhaps we asked too much too soon, but essentially he's won a lot of bad tournaments. Um, and you know he's gone off three to one and one in Spain and stuff where he's got Cabrera Bayo and and maybe Garcia to beat and that's it. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but the, the Irish Opens would be the same. You know he's a big fish in in a dare I say smaller pond, and he hadn't done it at this level, um, not since the Farmers in 2017 really. Um, that obviously has changed this year, and he's won the two of the toughest, if not the two toughest events played outside of the majors. Um, I think they're, they're both good trials for this, particularly um, the Memorial Tournament. Uh, he, you know, he's exemplary record at Augusta. I think of anyone who's played 12 or more rounds, he has the best scoring average. Um, if you take it down to eight or more rounds, it becomes fee now. But um, yeah, he's, he's, he's absolutely rock solid. Um, I, I almost tossed a coin between him and McElroy, I have to say. Um, however I got there, I came down on Rory, but I, there's nothing I could tell you bar that slight niggle with the putter against John Rahm. Yeah, for me, it's just all price. I don't know if you've got anything to add on that, Jason, other than, you know, I'm very uh, reluctant to sort of back anyone at 10 to 1, 9 to 1, 8 to 1 for the Masters, um, just because of the level of, uh, you know, playing field and how good everyone is playing at the moment in terms of form and just the course experience that I just find it hard to get to that point. Yeah, I I, I don't know what I don't know what it is about John Rahm. I, I respect his quality and, and everything about it there's there's something there that is it a temperament thing with you that you, yeah you i think I, a lot yeah i mean i am a bit bad like that in that i try to judge these these uh, players temperaments uh when it when it goes wrong i think that's that's when you have to have to look at it having said that you know and i'm sorry to divert but you know bob mcintyre was doing his nuts on the course last week and look what happened the week later <laughs> so um you know maybe it's a good thing um, it is a temperament thing. I think you don't want to lose your patience around Augusta, really. And in a field like this, um, I, yeah, I'd be concerned if he if he was to um, if it was to slightly go wrong, you know, like it has a couple of times recently uh, when he's had a chance. Um, yeah, I'd worry at, at that price. Yeah, I, I, he's not. It doesn't surprise me. Whereas I can't see Deshambo or, or um, Dustin off the front page of the leaderboard. Ram finishing 22nd doesn't surprise me. 
it's for 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 me there's a thing with the like the the difficulty in, in trying to be predictive versus reactive with Ram because it's kind of similar to Deshambo. I think if you had a criticism of Deshambo prior to his winning the US Open, in fact prior to the PGA, is that we're, he's not really done it in majors, right? And and Ram sort of has and he hasn't because he has got some top tens in majors. He's got a, a fantastic record here at Augusta. But I think once in his career he's entered the final round within three of the lead in a major and he was three back. Um and he he was three back of I think Kepka and whoever, you know. He's never as yet as not can you can any of us remember a major where we're watching on Sunday and John Rahm's got a genuine chance? No. And I don't think I don't think I can. And th- that's a sl- it's that slight mental block with personally. It makes me think, well, he can't be a ten to one shot then. But obviously, you know, it, it he's, he's clearly going to have that at some stage, isn't he? I'm not. I, I certainly wouldn't argue that this is a, a problem that's going to sustain, or even that it's a problem. Um, but it is a fact. He's he's really not had a chance to win a major yet, and that I guess sets him apart from everyone around him in the betting. He's not a ten to one shot, is he? I mean, ultimately, he's not a ten to one shot. I don't think anybody can say that. It is, isn't it? It's predictive and probably based on potential. Like you know, of these top five or six in the betting, John Rahm has the ability to be as good as you know all of them, and and you know, better than some. But he, you know, he's got a long way to go to prove that. You know, the amount of times that Dustin Johnson and and Justin Thomas have won in recent years, uh, you know, the majors that Roy McIlroy has already won, Bryson's now won one already. You know, he, he, yes, he has the talent to do it, but he hasn't done it. And like Ben says, he hasn't even really had the greatest chance to do it. So when people look at Dustin Johnson as a criticism that he's throwing a couple away, he's experienced those and he's gone on to win one. Whereas, you know... You know, fans, no fans. You know, media hype, whatever it may be, there, there is nothing like replacing the pressure of actually being there and doing it. And he hasn't yet done that. I suppose you can spin it as a positive, can't you? And and this is the whole point when we're talking the top five in the market. Um, almost everything can be spun the other way. And I guess some people could argue or would argue that he's he's no scar tissue. Yeah. And I think that that can be significant. I think a lot of major champions, you know, Danny Willett, Charles Schwartz, or here. Bubba the first, well, I suppose Bubba had the 2010 PGA, didn't he? But um, yeah, when Kaimer won the 2010 PGA, when McDowell won his US Open, there's a lot of guys who do win majors having um, taken their first chance. But I think overwhelmingly, the majority have, have tasted it. And I, I guess it's a semantics whether he has tasted it or not. I don't think he's woken up on Sunday thinking this is my day. Um, and it'd be fascinating to find out how he how he would respond to that. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, let's put it this way, if he led through 54 holes here, finished second or third, and then went on to win it in April, something like that. Just having that little bit more experience of, of back nine Augusta um, in the mix would, would be a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to two people that you have selected in your staking plan, Ben. Uh, first one I'm going to talk about is Justin Thomas. Now, uh, it's clear for everybody to see that he has improved pretty significantly every year um you know 39th 22nd 17th 12th um the the one thing that's noticeable about justin thomas is that he generally struggles in the opening round and i don't know if that's pressure on himself nerves uh i think nerves in the first round where he shot 76 in the first attempt but you know what is it that he's you know because if he gets off to a fast start here this week um it's going to be completely change his mindset probably going into into the weekend yeah, it's something he's spoken about since he won at um, at Quail Hollow in 2017. He, I think a lot of people, you know, he'd, he'd led through 54 holes of the US Open two months before. A lot of people would have thought that the floodgates would open because he, he is the most prolific, I think it's fair to say, player on the PGA Tour. 
certainly over the last three years. I, I guess DJ's back challenging him now, but um, you know, to win eleven titles in since twenty seventeen is is remarkable. Um, but in majors, he has lacked something. And, and he, but the the thing for me is he's he's admitted to that. There's no there's no hiding from it. And I actually thought with that in mind that his his U.S. Open top ten when he clearly was nowhere near playing his best golf was was probably a significant achievement for him a significant step forward because he, he didn't like winged foot he didn't enjoy the challenge and he finished eighth um and I, I thought that was one of the many small reasons um that he could go well here i, I think the the main reasons are well the main reason if i if i can say that is he's the best iron player in the sport and this is the course where the best iron players in the sport tend to win um and i think that is significant and one of the small stats i did find um in digging through this if you go back through the last 20 years 13 of the winners might be 12 i think it's 13 um had registered a top 15 greens and regulation ranking the year before and i thought that's quite there's it's a lot of them you know i think zach, zach johnson was one of them i think sergio had you know sergio's augusta record was you know okay but the year before he he hit a heck of a lot of greens and, and clearly built some confidence up um, and I thought it was quite an interesting thing. And looking through the, the guys who were top 10 in greens last year was a was one of my starting points. Um, and of that group, um, JT, by far the most compelling. I'll be honest, Tom, ever since um, I tipped him for this in 2019, he finished 12th. He came off the course and said I should have won. Um, there was there was very little chance he was going to be anything but back in the staking plan as the headline tip. Yeah, I... Sorry, Tom. Ben, were you disappointed the way he treated Sunday at the CJ Cup? Um <laughs> I, I, it, it caught my eye as to how we didn't finish it off, really. Uh, I yes, we, are we, are we, I think we're Zozo, aren't we? I, I get them confused because they were the same thing, weren't they? They were just a fortnight of crackers golf. It, the, where he finished second is Cantlay, yeah? Or the, or the CJ, sorry, the CJ well, cut the week before. Yeah, we, in, the, in the, is it the fake course, yeah. Gotcha, when Cobb well, crack won. Actually, to be fair, he could have he won both. But, I mean, it was the CJ cut that caught my eye in particular. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll full disclosure. I didn't watch a lot of it. Um, I didn't. I didn't particularly enjoy the course, and I, uh, it wasn't for me. So I didn't watch a lot of that. I, I saw everything at the Zozo, and you know, I thought he didn't have his best stuff on the weekend, and and he still, um, he still finished second. I, I think there are some question marks as to how he's played on Sunday a couple of times this year. But with JT, like I'm, I'm generally very positive about him, um, and particularly under pressure. And I think one of the things he's really good at is turning failure or perceived failure into something very soon after and obviously for me this year i i put him up at the uh, the work day he, he he gave it to colin morikawa um or maybe a better way to describe it would be that he, he sort of left his wallet exposed and had it taken from his pocket um <laughs> but you know two two starts later what's he, he won the the world golf championship at, at southwind and i think even go back to 2017 when he won the pga championship it's two his previous two majors, he'd led after 54 holes of the US Open and was really annoyed at himself for the way he played on the Sunday. And then he'd had an absolute shocker in the Open. And then he wins in August. And there's a lot of that in his in his CV. He's probably the, the most up and down um, of the world's best golfers. But I think it's very interesting that he seems to now be finding a, a heightened level of consistency. Um, and I think his iron play will, will, will establish him as... as one of the greats of his generation by the time he's done so um yeah he's you know i can't tell anyone he's better player or more likely to win this than dj i probably can't even argue he's more likely to win than ram but i i think his he is the best of the lot of them when it comes to approach play 
Um, and for me, that's the number one criteria. And I also happen to love Justin Thomas. <laughs> but we noticed it, didn't we, uh, Jason? After, and I sort of first noticed it as a PGA at Harding Park. Um, he just looks a bit miserable. He, you know, he he looks really down on himself for, you know, at times when he was playing well. And I don't know if that's, he's maybe set the bar so high now because of how prolific he is. Um, but I noticed last time out, you know, when, when he came second, that it wasn't quite as much as that. I know he got frustrated when he had a chance to, you know, he had to hold his second shot on the last to, to get himself into the playoff and, and didn't do it. And he sort of chuckled himself. But he, he, I don't know what it was, that little period between the FedEx Cup and, and, you know, at the couple of majors where he just looked so fed up. And I, and I just don't know if there was maybe, you know, something there in it. You're second guessing, really. But if he comes in with the right mindset, and I think, I think the fast start is imperative to him because... Um, I mean, it's easy to say that if you don't start fast, you're not going to win. It's not, it's not the easiest course to catch up on, especially if there's not, you know, weather variants and things like that. But I just think that if he can get over that barrier of maybe shooting either, you know, even if it's just level par or, or one under on the first day, just so he hasn't got so much work to do over the weekend, that's going to be the key to him kicking on. Yeah, I just, I think... so I'm really sorry, Jason. That was probably borderline rude of me. Um, I just wanted to answer that point on the PGA. Like, I, I totally agree with you, and I think you, you're on to something. For me, he occasionally talks himself out of something. And at the PGA on the Monday, he was saying, I think he tweeted on the Monday, I'm going to have to learn to draw the ball very quickly yeah. um, as a joke. But the point was, Harding Park, I know people tell you you've got to draw it at Augusta. And ironically, the winner of the PGA was a, a fader in the end. But um, he talked himself out of that. And um, I think mindset is huge. And I, I think he gets, I know they all get revved up by Augusta, but he's a real student of the game, a real fan of the game. He's from a golfing family. I think I, I, I just, there's just been something in everything he's said over the last couple of years that um, he, he thinks he can win this uh, and no mistake. So sorry, Jason, you carry on. No, no, no I mean, you know, very basic point really that we, I think we all agree you have to come here in form and no matter what we think of his Sunday rounds, uh, you know, I think the last eight weeks, if I'm not mistaken, he's still ranking top eight to green, um, top eight um, around the green. I think he's six on uh, strokes gain total, and he was second in 2020. We know he had a diamond 2020 on the book. So, you know, we, we are, we are, I think, nitpicking. Um, and I don't think we doubt his class at all. Um, it, it's very difficult when you're up there looking at the market. I mean, ultimately, that's what we have to do. And we're already discussing, you know, we spent an age discussing four players. And the biggest price they are is 12 to 1. So, um, you know, you can't back them all, although can you, top 11? I don't know. Maybe you can. No, I think I think to summarise really for me is that Justin Thomas is is definitely, you know, Colin Morikawa will try and put yourself in their title. But I would say he's the best iron player in the sport for, you know, at least the last five years, um, probably four. Uh, and Dustin Johnson at the moment is the best player in the world overall is how I would view it. Um, going on to Rory McIlroy, Ben, I have a little bit of a thing against him. I don't know what it is. I then sort of went back and forth with him because I thought this year he was he was great. I thought he'd really matured. I think even bits of last year, I think he's really taken on the leadership role in golf. Um, and I thought it was interesting that I saw a couple of things to say that this Masters was his to lose and, and things. And I know you're not as bullish as that. Um I still think that the pressure's there immensely. And I think if anyone's going to feel pressure without fans, it'll be Rory. He's found he's spoken openly about it being flat without the fans there. Um, you know, last year was his worst attempt in since I think it was 2013. Um, I, I know that obviously he is an extraordinary good golfer. 
Um, but it, but he's not in the form that he normally comes into these sort of events. And I just I don't know if it's I don't know what it is that you've seen that I suppose it's that the approach figures are, are rounding into some form that really sort of tickle your fancy. Uh, no, this I'll be honest, it's not a case you can really make with numbers. I I don't think. Um, I it, it's kind of just feel and instinct and there may I'm not yeah you know, I'm human I probably I can't believe I just said that obviously I am. Um, <laughs> um, but you know. I, I, maybe there's an element of, of soft spot there as well and, and what I would like to happen. But the, the thing for me, his approach play hasn't been good enough. Um, I, th- I do think it's significant that Augusta is a course where there's not really a lot of wedges apart from maybe for Bryson. Um, you know, most of the time, eight, seven, six irons to a lot of the par fours as well, which is really rare on the PGA Tour. Um, and I think if you break down Rory's stats, you know, essentially he's a very, very good iron player, um, but he'd be up there with JT if he could hit wedges like JT, right? So when we see these, these numbers are not what they should be, and don't get me wrong, they were appalling at the CGA Cup. So um, there's no getting up. It doesn't matter whether it's wedge, six, nine, eight, iron. If he hits it like that, he won't win. But in general, there's been enough in his approach play numbers when he's basically hitting driver, wedge, driver, wedge. And I think it really is still the wedge thing that he needs to figure out. Um, I also think, you know, he's had a couple of weeks. He knows exactly what the weakness is. He started to drive the ball brilliantly. He was first off the tee in the US Open, first off the tee in the CJ Cup. Uh, he started to putt better. Um, positive strokes game putting for those last four starts now. Um, so I think really he can he can have spent the last couple of weeks focusing on on getting his approach play, play dialed in. And really, I'm just chancing him to do that. Because if he does, uh, you know, he, on a bad year, he finished 10th round Augusta. Um, you know, generally speaking, I think for the last five years, he's, he's been in the top 10. Um, and I do think there's something in the the fact that it's going to play soft. Um, I'm taking the, the absence of fans as a potential positive. I don't think it's a massive thing one way or the other. But I, and, and you make a very good point that he has talked about how it's been hard to get up for tournaments. But I don't believe that will be the case here. Um, and just a couple of other things. Um, he, he made more birdies than anyone across the CJ Cup and the Zozo. If you go back to last year before he started winning again, he won four times in 24 starts. Um, he was he was shooting a lot of low numbers, making a lot of birdies, and he kept talking about keeping those big numbers off the card, and it clicked at the players, um, and and he went from there. And the final thing, um, you know, he he's played better since he became a dad. Is and Erica and and his daughter Poppy are going to be there with him this week, and who knows, who knows? But there, the there are loads of little things. <laughs> the the nappy factor is there, and I don't think it's. I don't think with Rory, like traditionally when we talk about the nappy factor, which by the way has unearthed a Masters champion as recently as 2016. Um, I don't think with Rory, it's like a, a probably the traditional way we think about the nappy factor. I think I see Rory, we know Rory's a very introspective person. He's, he's a person who believes in self-improvement um, on and off the golf course. And I think for him, um, it's just being comfortable and having it. He, he puts family above green jacket even. And I don't know as anyone well that many people would honestly do that um you know people like jt they haven't got kids yet so they don't know and and now he does and i think um i think it will be important for him i think we will look back on on this year as a as a really important one in his career for a number of reasons and and maybe we'll look back on it as as the the year he became a grand slam winner but you can tell there's some sentimentality here tom I, i can't deny it but also he was the biggest price of the top five in the market I think he's probably as well suited to Augusta as any of them, um, and he's not far away. So here's hoping. Yeah, I think I think the you know his wife and, and Poppy being there, you know the fact that he can come off the golf course and instead of going and you know just 
criticising, self-critical of everything he's done. The only sort of company he's had is his caddy, you know, maybe just moaning, grumbling about, you know, just being upset in general about something that maybe isn't even that big of a deal. The fact that he's just going to, he's going to go home and his wife and kid are not going to want to hear that. He's just going to go and have fun, relax. That could just be the deciding factor. I, I personally um, won't be backing him, but I can see the point for him. Jason, is there anything to add on Rory McIlroy? No, it's just like, it's like anybody when we bring up the nappy factor. Is it is are they going to relax because there's more to life than golf or does it make them more determined because they're trying for the family? Um, yeah, I think you've covered it, haven't you? He said that the family's very, very important to him. Maybe he goes out and relaxes and doesn't worry about it too much, makes a mistake, doesn't particularly worry about it, comes on the next hole with a bit of a, as you say, less of a, less of the hump about that because how important is it and actually plays plays his game. I, I won't be backing him, but um, and I don't see him winning, but, you know, of course he can. So, I, 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 yeah, he doesn't, doesn't come into it, doesn't get deleted. So he's there. He's just not one of my fancies. Jason, do the easiest thing that you'll find in the world and make the case for Xander Schauffele before we start <laughs> racking through some to. of these others. Don't need to. Watch watch him last year. Um, you know, what, what, what do you want? I mean, you know, we there, there's nothing he's done. We we previewed this, or the non-major, in um, whenever it was. Was it April? Was it April, the, yeah. The major that wasn't. Yeah. Uh, we proved it last week. Um, for me, I don't think Xander's done that much different to persuade me um, not to be on. I mean, okay, he's not the, the staggering um, the staggering win machine that um, potentially we thought he was going to be. Um, but yeah, and he won at East Lake, which we all knew he was going to win anyway. You know, the rest might have not bothered turning up, really. Um, yeah, I mean, US Open, I didn't really suit him. He still finished top five. Uh, CJ Cup, he was another one to go a bit um, doolally halfway through that fake course. Um, on the Saturday and came again flying through um, on the Sunday. Um, again, um, went backwards at Zozo and came again. Um, I love him. I, I just think I watched again his highlights at um, the Masters last year. He loved playing around there. Um, I thought his putting, putting was awesome. Um, people have criticised him for not winning more this year and, and a, a put a question against his attitude. Um, winning contention, I don't have any problem with that. He's absolute banker top five for me. I think he, he wins this thing within the next two or three years. It may not be this year because I don't think he's at his absolute height. But, you know, he loves this thing. And, um, yeah, I, I, I've got nothing else to say. I mean, as you know, if Ben's got this uh, sentimentality for Rory, then Xander's my player to you follow. You've definitely got it for Xander. Well, he, <laughs> he's, he's, he's my player to follow for the next 10 years. I think he's, he's absolutely awesome. I don't think he's the finished article at all. Um, every year that he comes here, he'll improve. If he doesn't win a major, I'll be amazed in the next three years. Absolutely. Uh, Brooks Kepka would be the most typical thing in the world if he was to come into this event after struggling with injuries and, and form to, to then go and beat Bryson on Sunday uh, just so that he can have a jab at him on social media. Um, but all sort of joking aside, he was brilliant tee to green for most of last week. His approach numbers worked out better over the weekend. He commented that he put a, dry, a new driver in play for the first two rounds, and had he had not done that, he'd have won the golf tournament. So um, he is very much like we are at the moment. There's only 20, 30 people that can win this tournament, and I'll better the other 29. So 
confidence is always a thing there. He's the outsider of the of the group here at sixteen to one. Any any comments, Ben? Um, his approach play was bad last week. He putted the lights out. I think that would be my biggest criticism. Um, I guess you know I, I probably get a bit hung up on approach play numbers, and it might be why I've not had a great couple of months on the PGA Tour. But uh, when he's at his best. You know, when he should have won at Southwind, uh, he led the field there in strokes gained approach. When he did win the PGA Championship last year, led the field in strokes gained approach. He didn't when he won at uh, St. Jude, but he was leader in, I think, uh, I think he led in putting that week. Anyway, the, the point is he's going to have to hit his irons better. You can't win the Masters losing strokes with your approach shots. It uh, doesn't mean he will, um, but he's very patchy, isn't he? I, I could see him having a good day along the along the way, but I, I'm pretty against him, I have to say. I, I, I think... I understand the money was always going to come for him, wasn't it? If he if he played well and and he played okay at the CJ Cup as well, but I yeah, it, it, everything's fired independently, um, and I don't think it's true that he would have won with um, with his driver the whole week last week. I do take the point he was making, but it was the irons that were that were off. And um, yeah, I think he likes to yeah. talk himself into that, doesn't he? Oh, of course, of course he does, no doubt. And and look, he's one of those who was top ten for greens here last year. So that stat I gave you earlier, he is one of them. I'm not not going to tell you it's not Brooks Kepka, but um. Uh, nah, not 16 to 1. Patrick Cantlay and Hideki Matsuyama 25 to 1. Uh, ben, obviously, you are keen on Hideki Matsuyama. I wasn't until the past weekend when he showed an awful lot of form of his putter. Um, Jason, I'll go to you first. Patrick Cantlay, obviously, is a player that you you do like. He's now got a recent win in his you know back pocket and played well here last year, albeit late on to make a charge. Do you give him any chance at 25 to 1? He was the one who wanted to fall over the line at Zozo, wasn't he? Um, obviously, he's missed he's missed out many times through the year when we thought he was going to be um, he was going to be a winner. Um, yeah, he's got a great game for it, hasn't he? He's got a perfect. He's got a fantastic iron game. Um, he's going to give himself loads of chances. His putting is getting better this year. I think he's um, I think he's a cracking player, but I think he's terribly short at twenty five to one. Um, again, he's another one I can see. He's up there in the in the sort of 10, 12, 15 class year players of of the. I mean, every but look, there's nothing really new to say about the Masters, is there? Because there's a thousand billion previews out there, and we play the course every year. Um, yeah, he's got the perfect dying game for it. I think he'll give himself chances. Do I think he'll win? No. Do I think he's short? Yes. That's it. Ben, the only negative I could find on Hideki in the end, apart from the fact that I called him top twenty Hideki for a reason, other than last week. Uh, he's regressing at the Masters, 5th, 7th, 11th, 19th, 32nd. Um, is that just because of the player that he's, you know, the last couple of years he's been out of form and, and if he's back to what looks like his best over the last few weeks, that, you know, the 5th and 7th is a more likely result? I hope so, yeah. I, I think it does generally follow the path of his of his career, doesn't it? In 2017, he, he looked briefly like he was the best player in the world and... Um, and in the the two years preceding it, he, he very much was one of the top five or six, and and uh, he showed it at Augusta. Whereas since then, he he has been going the wrong way. But I do, I went back and forth because, and I, I wrote this in my preview. Like, it's very difficult to argue that Hideki Matsuyama should be the same price as Cantlay when he's been bigger than Cantlay every week for a year. And um, on their last starts, Cantlay beat John Rahm and JT, and Matsuyama lost to Ortiz. It's a very difficult argument to make, so I wouldn't necessarily seek to make it. Um, but I do think he has the better game of the two for Augusta. And I know Cantlay 
had a chance to win it last year, ultimately finished bogey bogey par and was, I think, tied ninth. It was a bit, if you were being hypercritical, and I say this as someone who's tipped Cantlay more than probably a lot of people have, um, it was a bit Cantlay, you know, as as with Zozo, um, he's come from off the pace. He stole the Zozo, he nearly stole the Masters. He, he came with that final round 64 at Muirfield Village last year, which is one of the great final rounds. But nevertheless, you know, he's not been great from the lead. He was not good from the lead in the Shriners recently. Um, and I, I just find him a little bit hard to get right at the moment. Um, so yeah, he wasn't for me, but look, I've I've tipped Cantlay at 25, 28 to one for majors before, and he he hadn't won his previous start against World. Club. I mean, that was a career best last time, wasn't it? So um, yeah, he's he's got a chance um, definitely, um, and he certainly believes in himself. But I think he's a big change from a, a home state, um, come from behind win to to going and and converting in the Masters, and he's another of those of these top ten in the market. Has he ever had a chance to win a major? Just last year here, and it lasted one shot basically um so yeah um he's got a little bit to prove and, and I, I've, I've taken hideki but no doubt hideki has as well yeah absolutely we've got two other players now we've got a former masters winner in patrick reed at 28 to one and one of the informed players in the world in tyrrell hatton uh jason you know tyrrell's got to um completely overcome a terrible augusta record um the only person you know in recent memory i can think of patrick reed had a uh, a pretty average record, although he had that sort of, I think it was 20th or 22nd place finish, um, you know, prior to his win. Do we think that Hatton is playing so well now that, um, you know, he can overcome those odds? Because, you know, look at players like Hatton and Lowry, you know, they're they're historically bad at Augusta. It's just that he's hitting the ball so beautifully at the moment that maybe he can overcome that. Yeah, he is. Um, he, he wouldn't be for me, to be honest with you. They're both, they're both terrier-like, aren't they? They both want um, a, a difficult course. Um, that's when they'll be at their best. Um, you know, Hatton's had an, the, the, the Hatton's had a couple of fantastic wins this year. Obviously, one over here at the BMW. Um, I one over there at. Uh, remind me, someone, because my brain's gone. Um, oh. Where, where Hatton won in the states, Arnold yeah. Palmer. You know, the final day was an absolute, absolute grind wasn't it so they're, they're both they're both similar in their attitude and, and what they want i don't think they're going to get it this week um and ultimately i think they both will fall short i mean full respect to Hatton. what Hatton's done this year has been incredible coming back after lockdown and just taking off um and then coming back obviously over to us and winning at wentworth and flying back third at the cj cup again another one that um that flew at the end you know, fair play. You you can't knock what he's doing. Is he a Masters winner? No. The 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 main the easiest way for me to oppose Tyrrell, and, and I went back and forth on it quite a lot. But in the end, when I looked at it, he's been in exceptional form basically all season, all year long. Especially going back to that Bay Hill win. Uh, it got to the U.S. Open, missed the cut, uh, and the PGA Championship, missed the cut. You know, mm. for me that you know when the expectations were so high on him. Uh, and in events that probably I expected to suit him more than the Masters, he missed the cut. Um, come back well, you know, at the Houston Open, but there was, there was a couple of rough rounds in there. I, I just, just for me, I just thought that at 28 to one, there was enough question marks over him in comparison to Patrick Reed, who again I'm probably just going to go gloss over mainly on the fact that I think it's going to be a longer, tougher golf course this time round. Would you agree with those comments, Ben? Yeah, generally speaking, yeah, that that was kind of my line of thinking. I think with Hatton, um, 
I agree with you that the bigger concern would be how he's played majors lately, more so than Augusta. Um, odd though that may sound, um, there's no reason he can't play well at Augusta. I mean, when he hits, he hits the ball and they put the shot tracker on. Does any, has anyone ever hit the ball in a straighter line? Like it just doesn't <laughs> move, does it? It's it's really impressive. The thing I would say about him is that if he is in the mix and we see that he can cope, that Augusta's not too long and that he he does improve, I I would I would not underestimate him because I think. Um, he's become uh, not just a world-class golfer, but a but a real winner. Um, I think there's something about him, like he doesn't really dwell. I know, I know that there's this sort of dichotomous, like he, he seems like he cares about everything and he's going to throw his club if he doesn't hit a good shot. But actually that relaxes him. And, and I don't think he really is one to... Uh, to show the challenge basically so if he was the 54 hole leader and we'd learned that he can play augusta and say you know he's got dj and kepka chasing him and you can still get a nice price under those sort of circumstances he'd definitely be uh, be earning my respect for what he's done over the last uh, 18 months yeah i'd agree with that completely i think it is a coping mechanism rather than him just throwing his toys out the pram now it's just his way of releasing the steam and moving on to the next shot uh bubba watson ben you made the same point that, that i did heading into Sherwood that you know his price was I think it was 16 66 to 1 for this um he was going to play well uh there at that golf course and he's halved in price rightly so really because his master's record is obviously uh superb it used to be that he'd go he'd win 50th win 38th then struggles but he's got a fifth and 12th for the last two years his approach and tee screen numbers have been absolutely exceptional over the last few weeks and I, and I think this is really um you know as good a time as any for him to win um, if he gets in, if he's you know if he's there over 36 holes, there's not many more I would probably trust given his course experience. Um, I think there's probably still enough juice in that price. Uh, both of you that that 31 was enough of an appeal, if not one of the better bets in the field. I um I was quick to draw a line through him to be honest. I, there's something about Bubba Watson as three-time Masters champion. I just can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't. My mind won't allow it. Um, but I, I have enormous respect for him. Um. Ian at SBI.com, I'm sure plenty of your listeners will know, um, uh, as Jason has, has contributed to a, an experts slash specials betting preview, which will be out on Sporting Life on Tuesday. Um, and he makes the case for Bubba in the top former winner market. And I have to say, you know, Garcia is out now, which is a shame because he definitely wouldn't have won and, and yet would have been four to one. Um, Patrick Reed, we've got in there. We've got Phil Mickelson, um, you know, Willett, Johnson. Uh, Zach Johnson, that is. Tiger's obviously struggling. Uh, you know, Bubba's Bubba's about favourite now, but that would be where I'd play him. He was he was second in the market last year to Tiger. He was second in the market the year before to I don't know someone else. Um, Spieth, I think. Um, he obviously won the market the second time he won it. I mean, he's not going to be out the first three in that. I wouldn't have thought. So yeah, it is a fairly filthy each way better seven to two, but um, maybe one worth having. <laughs> and yet my my next pick is Tony Fee now. Um, I just think that, you know, I've made the case many a time that I think he's just as likely to win a major championship as a regular tournament. Uh, I just think it's a case of being very laid back. And, and I could be completely wrong about that. I don't know if it's just something that I see. I mean, I followed him around Wentworth and he just looked like he just didn't care. I know Wentworth's a completely different scenario, but it would make sense given his regular event record versus his major championships. Um, he absolutely eats up the par 5 series, 10 under on the par 5s in 2018, 13 under last year. Uh, Jason, the only thing that seems to be holding him back is he was 4 over on the par 4s in 2018, uh, admittedly on one ankle. 
Uh, and then last year he's won over on those as well. If he can if he can figure those out, then I know obviously you're not quite as bullish on him as I am, but you're surely going to have a great chance. I can't see him winning. I, <laughs> I cannot see him winning. He just, nothing he's done to me. So I mean, I, I'm not it wrong. He could he he'll be second with a final round 64. You know exactly like he you know when he hit 64 third round last year. I cannot see him winning. I just think he looks anxious every time he has a genuine chance of winning. He just looks in trouble. And he just looks like something is going to go wrong on the next hole. He's been beaten um, with chances in far weaker tournaments than this. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, don't be wrong. Yeah, put him in the top 10 if you want. But stunned if, he, if, he's, if he's got the, um, the nerve to beat a lot of these proven winners you know but I, th- no. but I think the argument for that is that when he's when he's been in those other chances he expected to win it's a tournament where you know there's, there's always talk about how he hasn't won enough he's you know it's a regular event he's 14 to 1 12 to 1 whatever he is you know it's, it's a tournament he's expected to win there's plenty ahead of him in terms of choices here um last year he was playing with in the final round with someone that was completely lost his game and the eventual historic winner you know i can forgive him having a sort of a tough time during that especially when you know he did have a chance of winning it yeah you know carry, carry on <laughs> if you if you you know i'm not going to lay you if you bet you're back in top 10 top 11 but you know come and find me when it's a when they go back to top fives but any any interest from webb simpson down to let's say uh, ben's next pick at cameron champ at 81 jason for you um, respect to Morikawa, you obviously have to have that. Um, look, Webb's playing well, but he's not. He's not going to win a Masters on on a course that's going to play seven thousand. What seven six, seven seven? Matt Wolf, absolutely full respect. Um, obviously, you know both himself and Scotty Scheffler have excelled themselves in majors this year. Uh, be interested to see what he does. Again, do, do you see him winning it, debutant? He's shown signs of, again, probably lack of experience in the mix rather than anything. Nothing he could do against Bryce DeChambeau in the US Open. DeChambeau just, just left him behind on finals day. I didn't think really he, he put up his best effort. I thought he could have challenged for a bit longer. But once once DeChambeau went in front, he just he just killed him off. Um, Tiger's got no chance. Um, Adam Scott might turn up interested. I suppose he's not bothered for the rest of the year. And Jason Day, I find the most infuriating person to watch of any golfer I've ever seen in my life. And if I have to watch him on Sunday in the final group, um, I just give up. He won't be because he was appalling over the weekend, just gone. And he's shown that before. Um, and who knows if he's going to turn up because, you know, an eyelash will fall out or something. So, no, none of that lot. Ben, I thought I actually thought you might have put up Jason Day, given the, the comments you put in your player-by-player guide. You know, maybe it was the weekend that was disappointing at Houston that was the reason for that exclusion. He talked a lot about swing changes there the, to, to take the strain off his back. Um, I just didn't really get the impression of a, of a player who was full of confidence. He's definitely somewhat on the shortlist, but it was, it was a strange performance in Houston in that um, the price obviously contracted as he was playing really well, as he went into the final round as the man to beat. And then it sort of it stays there after he has a disappointing Sunday. I suppose that's right. Um, because you know Sunday is not a massive uh, won't have a massive bearing on his Masters chant, but it's it's hard to simultaneously argue that um, approach play is key and and to tip Jason Day for anything. Um, that being said, I, his Masters record is so good, and there's clearly no question that his 
long, high driving and, and dynamite short game can can carry him a heck of a long way. So um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I put him up for the PGA. I may have put him up as well for the US Open. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not anti-Jason Day. I just the price went for last week and I don't think his chances improved. So, um in in the same way that I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, like with Matsuyama, I, I really felt watching him like that was a player who needed that injection of belief uh, because he hit all the shots on Sunday and he came off the course and he said, that's, you know, my confidence is high. And I don't think I've heard him say that in about three years. So um, w- with Matsuyama, I, I heard good things. And with Day, I sort of heard a little bit of like, yeah, OK, I might be near the top of the leaderboard, but I still don't feel great. So, um, yeah. He, he wasn't for me. Sorry, sorry. I saw him sh- uh, hit a couple of tee shots. Like, obviously, he started his preparation, and 10 minutes later, he made a cup of tea and came back, and he eventually hit it. And he was backing off from it. <laughs> no, but he was. He was. He was backing off. There was no smooth swing there at all. And, and you know, like you say, I, I, you can't win a Masters doing that. I'm, I'm sorry. No. Well, I'm sorry to be so, as, as, as um, you know, forceful as that, but. Stunned. There's a couple of names in here that, uh, well, three really, in the sense of Justin Rose, what for Jordan Spieth, Paul Casey, uh, Ricky Fowler, that all have uh, their fans. Um, they're all probably expected to win the Masters or go close at some point during their career. Um, but they're all sort of hit and miss in terms of form at the moment. And I don't know if any of them, even even at the prices they are, that can be back then. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be putting up Fowler. I, I really did think about it because 66 to 1 is a huge price for someone who, who plays Augusta so well. And he, he's contended for this sort of three times in the last six years, maybe. You know, yeah. he's, he, he really does have a flawless record or flawless, except for having not won the thing. Um, <laughs> so, and, and if you remember, the, his second to Patrick Reed, I, I think we all at the time were like, oh, well, you know, he didn't win, but Ricky stood up here and he, he did it. And his career's just gone really badly wrong over the last six months it kind of gets forgotten because um we still just talk about jordan all the time but um you know he's gone to john tillery it hasn't worked i wonder you know dj left claude Harmon, didn't he it didn't work he went back to claude Harmon. is it time that ricky did the same um probably um and i guess coaching issues with with rose as well you know he's he's left sean foley and i'm sure there are plenty of people in the world of golf would tell you that's a very sensible thing um but ultimately he had great success with sean foley they had a great relationship and and while rose will say that he can still text him uh, when he needs some advice he, he's not got a coach on hand um foley's actually working with my guy cameron champ isn't he and, and a few others but um yeah they're just historically for all the the pros and cons we've discussed here if there is one thing you have to be arriving at Augusta, it is you need to know where your swing is. You need to have some recent form behind you. And in all those examples, you know, maybe Barcasey and Rose at the PGA, and even that's two months ago. There's there's not a great deal to cling to in, in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think that summarises it well. It feels like you've walked away from something that's working well. I think that, you know, the best thing, the things that gets attributed to Master's success is familiarity in terms of course, in terms of everything, and, and making changes and, and not succeeding in those changes is, you know, a recipe for disaster here. Uh, ben, make the case for Cameron Champ, as you said at the start of the show, you don't very often go for debutants, um, but he is someone that, you know, has, obviously it's always been about his off-the-tee game, and then when he putts well, it goes well. But he has improved as a, an approach player in the last sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the time with big drivers who rank first and second and third off the tee nearly every week, the approach play figures um, are worse because of it. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad ball strikers or bad iron players, but it's very, very hard if all you've ever got in your hand is a wedge 
um, it's, it's actually very, very hard to gain strokes because, um, you know, the guys who are hitting six irons 10 times a week, they hit a couple of those to five feet, they gain loads of strokes, you don't. So the formula is kind of tilted against people who hit the ball miles. So there's no coincidence when you see someone who's top of those strokes gained off the tee charts, they're usually not that high up in the approach charts. Um, that being said, Champ comes in into this off his, his best fortnight of approach play. He was fifth in the CJ Cup, uh, 22nd in the Zozo um, in, in approach. And, and the second of those led to finishing eighth, which is a, a really good performance, not far behind Cantlay and Rahm and JT and all that. And you mentioned the putter, Tom. Um, the, every time he has produced a positive putting number this year, he has finished in the top 25. I found that quite remarkable. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't matter the company either. You know, you've got a PGA Championship in amongst that lot where he was 28th for putting. All he needs to do is put okay, and he's a world-class player. Um, the fact that he finds that difficult is why his, his results have not got the consistency of Wolf and Morikawa and Hovland even, um, his sort of contemporaries, if you like. But um, I'm, I'm willing to chance the putter. Um, you know, that, that seems fine. And, and if everyone is right about this being a, a bomb and gouge type affair, he's, he's pretty much as long as Bryson, despite being about a third of the weight. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to love Augusta, actually. Um, I just hope he doesn't get too scared by the green. Yeah, I think I think the only thing for me is is like you say there is whether he does get intimidated by the greens. We've seen a lot of big hitting players that we've expected to go well. You know, Gary Woodland comes to mind. The similar sort of profile that that you really think it suits them, and, and then they've struggled. Um, but I, I think he's uh, when he was a hundred to one, I thought he was a great price because I think yeah, we that, missed the price, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was a case of like, okay, how much. How much difference is there between him and Matthew Wolf? Okay, Matthew Wolf has had those two great finishes, um, but in terms of skill set and quality, is there, you know, is he three times, you know, less likely to win a, a tournament than, than Matthew Wolf? And I think the answer is no. Um, even even when it comes to Scotty Scheffler, I mean, he's doubled the price of Scotty Scheffler, and you know, uh, for all that, obviously, Jason, you've spoke about Scotty Scheffler being, a, you know, a fantastic talent. He's not in the form that he was, and and his approach numbers have been terrible recently. Yeah, not since um, not since he got diagnosed, has he? And he returned. He's getting a bit better. Uh, back on Champ, didn't well, I think we put him up as um, a live outsider for PGA. Yeah. Um, again, you know, based on the on his driving, really, um, performed fantastically well there, didn't he? So yeah, he, he's an improver, isn't he? We we can't knock him at the same price. I don't know if we're doing this now, but at the same sort of price, I can't believe I'm mentioning him as a potential top ten. But uh, Jason Kokrak. Okay, so um, it's just the person I was very, just going to go on to. Uh, sorry, well, okay, okay, I'll do your introduction for you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, you know, okay, it, apart from age, a very similar type of thing. You know, a man who couldn't putt a thing, could he, for, for a number of years? And, you know, Ben, you'll probably, you know, explain why. He suddenly found his putting. I mean, three of the last four events that he's played in, I mean, one including the US Open, he's found uh, six. 10 and five shots on the greens. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like the Zozo, that approach stat is, is a bit way out of what he's been doing at the moment. But um, I, I was quite interested in him as some bizarre way because I never, ever thought I'd put him up. But I've just been really taken by his his, his sudden explosion into into proper, in inverted commas, form. I think, I think the thing that really stood out to me as well is not only just his form... Uh, and the fact that he's obviously got over the line for the first time. But there was a lot of thing around him that everyone kind of said that it's been years since, you know, he should have won ages ago and it's been a long time coming things out. But he he has massively improved, you know, of late. Uh, you know, a lot of his finishes, top finishes on the 
the world rankings have come in the last sort of 2019-2020. Uh, you know, when he had that chance at the Valspar last year, didn't get over the line. You know, he's third at the Charles Schwab earlier this year. You know, there's been a lot of finishes that have come, you know, in the last two years or so. He was, in, you know, top eight, I think it was, at WGC and Champions last year. I think he's generally an improving player. And the one thing, Ben, for me that stuck out as well, because I was concerned about this, was he's around the, around the greens and scrambling game. But even that's improved over recent weeks. It's just, for me, the only thing that bothered me is I don't think anything's been missed. He's gone from 101, 101 mm. down to 1780s. Yeah, um, he, he's an obvious one. He's, he's one of those, you know, if he, if, if he wins... Uh, when we when we go into next year and the year after and the year after that, it'll be very easy to write about how, look, another informed player won the Masters. He'd won two starts before, which is a classic Masters preparation. Um, so he'd be one of those, wouldn't he? In the sort of, I know Schwartzland Willett hadn't won in the, the previous weeks, but that sort of price bracket where you can explain it retrospectively. Um, I don't think it's complicated at all. I guess I'm... I'm I'm slightly dubious about his putting. But the thing with Cockrell, what I would say is that, I mean, we all know historically terrible putter, right? But when you look at his putting stats, what what it is is that he has weeks where he loses a ridiculous number of strokes on the greens. Hmm. Um, you know, he, he loses seven, eight, nine, ten strokes on the greens one week. And the next week he's okay. And I, I looked, I think he was about 160th in putting last se- the season before last, this 2019. Um, no, sorry, 2020. I think five or six times he was top 10 for the week. He's only playing 22, 25 events, right? But it's those ones where he misses the cut and he's lost seven strokes in two rounds. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And he has he has done that several times. So he's an interesting one. I mean, whether, oh, is he is he just a dynamite putter now? Because if he is, he's a great driver of the golf ball. Um, what more is there to say? He's a long hitter. You know, there's loads to like. And a lot of people were saying before Shadow Creek that that might be an Augusta trial. So, yeah, I could see it. But um, I sort of feel like we missed backing him at 100 to 1 to win an event on a course he happened to know like the back of his hand, um, yeah. which I, I'm sure we'd have all paid plenty for that information. Um, and now we're asked to take 66 in the Masters. So he, he's not quite for me, but yeah, look, he's one of those debutants you'd expect to play quite well. Well, that was the thing. I, I thought that maybe the debutant angle would be one of them because, you know, the other thing that I quite like about it is the fact that he went so close at Northern Trust at Riviera, obviously got beat by Bubba Watson and Adam Scott, who are obviously, uh, you know, former winners of this event. It's obviously a correlating course. Uh, Jason, I don't know if that went into your line of thinking at all as well. Yeah, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously not. Just yeah. say no. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Move on. <laughs> right. Look, we've got some others here at 100 to 1 now. I don't think you really have to come down. Once you're going down this far, I think it's best to look at sort of secondary markets. But obviously, uh, Francesco Modinari's woes were well documented. Uh, came back nicely last week. At Houston gains an approach. Um, don't think he's suddenly going to walk back on to you know 12 and be absolutely fine. So I think it's best to sort of let him come back to form. Um, but Jason, we've been speaking about Lee Westwood. Um, he was 100 to 1 with 11 places at one point, um, or maybe even 10 places. But he's you know he's playing brilliant golf. It's just whether it's too long and too hard for him this time around. And wish he was kind of in this kind of form, you know. 2018, 2019, when he was in the field. I think you you summed that up perfectly. Yeah. He's not going to win it, is he? But uh, we were talking about earlier about the um, top English or English and Irish market. And yeah, I mean, you can't teach him anything about Augusta. You know, he's possibly played this 100 times or something. Um, (laughs) You know, he's still up there. He's been top five and top 20 in his last two majors. Um, 
He's striking the ball beautifully, isn't he? Um, Scotland, I thought he should have done better. I know it's it, it, pretty irrelevant to this week. Scotland, he would have done better, but it was absolutely blown all over the track. Um, it, is he playing as well now? I mean, what was Houston? Just a warm-up, I suppose, wasn't it? And he, you know, first round killed him off. Second round, 69 was okay. His figures aren't great. Um, but he comes alive when he's at Augusta. Um, like I say, he's, he's not going to worry about it. There's lots of players here coming to this that really won't have a clue what's going on. Um, whether it's fans, media, whatever, it doesn't really matter. He'll just walk into it like, um, yeah, like it, like he's been here every day. Um, look, he's Augusta form. You know, you can't knock him out of the top 20, um, top 10, um, four times in his last six, 11th in the one before that. So um, he'll know what he's doing, won't he? And he'll hit greens. It's, it's what he's going to take to the greens against all the others. I mean, if you're going to be against, you know, the likes of Cameron Champ, Jason Kokrak and people like that, how far up the leaderboards he's going to go. He knows more than they do. Can we trust his short game? As we never have done before. So can we do it now at whatever age he is now? Uh, there's something about him that just suggests he's going to do something, whether it's a top 25 or top 30 this week. Whether that's good enough to win, the, you know, to, to get any money other than a place in the top English market, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, Hatton we've discussed. Um, okay, he's Terry-like. Tommy, is, is, Ben hasn't covered yet. I'm sure he will at some point. Fitzpatrick's just plods along. Rose, we don't fancy at all. Casey's in and out. Okay, PGA was great. But, um, you know, and he's got decent form here as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, again, is there a much difference between Casey and Westwood? Um, one of them's six to one, one of them's ten to one in that market, top three. He's the player that we both agreed, him and Poulter, in the top English market. Um, and you can see why. I just wonder whether he is over the top for the season. Now, that'd be my only worry. If it had been April and he was coming into some form like, like he has been, then fair enough. Um, yeah, he may be, having looked at it through our talk, and I'm sorry, that's why I ignored you in the last conversation. Um, <laughs> Um, I just wonder if he's over the top. That's all now. Um, I'm slowly going off him. So ben, down, to, down to you to, to beef him up again. <laughs> when you when we we first came onto the podcast, we were we were talking off air, and and I think your your ears pricked up when we mentioned Lee Westwood in the top English market. Um, is, is that somewhere you're looking at? It is. Yeah. I mean, generally the the rule I try and uh, abide by with the, the side markets is is find a real weakness or find a nice shape to the market. Right. So um, a good example um, would be top continental European this week. You probably get your accounts closed. Right. But Rom is about two to five. You probably win. There's only seven of them. You can bet a third two places and two of them are Langer and Alathabal. So, you know, Victor Perez, 14 to one, a third one, two. Like I, I can see that. Um, you know, um, Garcia's out now, obviously. I think Francesco is second favourite. Well, I happily take him on. So they're, they're the sort of markets I generally like. Um, and, and the top Englishman market is not one of those because you've got nine players and every one of them has some kind of chance. The outsider of the nine is the only one of them who's won the Masters. So um, at first glance, I didn't really like it. But then I think you look at Tyrrell's favourite as we've covered, you know, um, he'd be one to respect if he does play well, but there are reasons to wonder whether he will. Um, Tommy, my favourite my favorite golfer, no doubt about it. Um, I, I'm 
I happily lose to him, you know, fine. Um, but his his play over the last couple of tournaments has been poor. Justin Rose, we, we talked about. Paul Casey doesn't look like he's playing well. Polt has got a back injury with Drew from Houston last week. Um, I can't remember. Matt Wallace, not playing well enough. Didn't play well at August on debut, missed the cut. So all of a sudden, you're left with Fitzpatrick, who I think is interesting, um, and Westwood. And I think one of them two to be top Englishman is, is the way to go. And I'm still deciding whether to back both or just to put Westwood up each way. Um, just briefly to elaborate on Westwood, uh, he was the leading English player at the US Open. Uh, if you, uh, This is a good joke. If you ignore Harris English, very good. Um, <laughs> he was the second ranked English player at the Open last year, his previous major start, where he was a couple behind Tommy. Um, and he's played well week in, week out, hasn't he? I mean, apart from last week, he just had a nightmare first round. So um, I think he's worth backing in some way. And the other, the other thing I'm considering with him is the first round lead. Um, he had it in the Scottish Open recently, but he was also fifth before that in the US Open. Um, he started well in a number of big events over the last few years. And if you look at Augusta, I think his last eight or 10 starts, he's got a first, a second, two thirds. Uh, he's never been worse than 41st. You know, he shot a couple of 67s. Could he do it for one day? Could he do the Charlie Hoffman? You know, similar profile. They both love Augusta. I, I could see it. Yeah. So um, I'll certainly be starting with him in, in some way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that for me was, you know, I've never felt that that the English, the top Englishman was so easily to oppose. Like most years, I think, okay, well, that's Justin Rose's uh, market to to lose. Um, You know, then you have Paul Casey, who makes a very strong case most years. Uh, And for me, I just felt that Tyrrell Hassan doesn't give me that same sort of confidence you know to and i can easily take him on as a favorite you know you know i could be wrong he could be playing so well that you know he overcomes all the other difficulties surrounding him but i, I thought Tommy fleetwood i could oppose and you mentioned fitzpatrick well, you know fitzpatrick and westwood are going to face similar you know uh, difficulties in terms of distance you know it could get too long for them but if if the weather uh, does turn which it can do very quickly in november in augusta then those two are both going to be right out for the sort of test it could propose yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think I, you know, when you're looking to find the winner of the tournament, I think if you, um, yeah, okay, the same principles, the same theory should apply. Like I, I do still think big hitting is going to be an advantage. But you look at the English players, uh, of which there are nine. Yeah, Casey's pretty long, uh, Rose is pretty long, Tommy's almost as long as those two. But they're these are not a collection of big hitting players like Wallace, Willett, Poulter, Westwood, Fitz, Hatton. They're all, you know, you throw a blanket over them. So um, I think it will come down to the other aspects. And, and obviously in Fitz and, and Westwood's case, they, um, apart from Rose uh, and, and I suppose Casey and Poulter, if you go back far enough, but they've just got rock solid Augusta credentials. I, I think probably that market will be won by one of those. And it's more, the, the bigger worry for me would be whether Rose or Casey comes back to a bit of form. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be taking Westwood each way with three places, I think, because he's only got a couple to, to beat, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, is there any more interest in the outright market? Uh, any long shots that you wanted to mention? Uh, no, I had a list of 14. Uh, I think we've uh, I think we covered them all. I, I don't see how you can go that far down. Cam Smith was quite interesting, but his price has gone, so we'll forget about him now. Um, he obviously loves this time of year. Uh, played with him when he was fifth a couple of years ago. Um, but there's, there's, to be honest, I mean, the only other one I'll mention, um, and I think I think Ben Whites likes him as well, not necessarily to back, uh, only because we had the interview go out this week, is Lanto Griffin. Um, we'll mention him because he was, as, as Tom knows, Will, Will, Will Cox's caddy 
at one point. Um, okay, he's got he's uh, got a very very um, interesting outlook on life. Probably as on golf as well. He's improved dramatically this year. Um, Wilcox is backing him or has backed him at two hundred or one. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's any. That's that's no stable information at all. That's just loyalty. Um, he's just he's just improving, and it'd be very interesting to see how he goes first time around. Eric Van Ruyen, who we put up again in our preview in April as a as top debutant, he's playing really well. He he he's performing in majors, and he's you know he's sort of what mid twenties in in decent tournaments. Um, quite like the shape of his shot round here. Um, but in terms of winning, then no, no, they're not going to win, are they? No, I mean, there, there was two things I wanted to go further on. You know, with Lanto, is that he's going to have a... I imagine he'll probably play some practice rounds with VJ Singh. That's only going to benefit mm. him. Um, Victor Perez, I thought, you know, we just mentioned him in the side market. So I just thought that uh, I'd, I obviously can't see him winning. Um, can he finish in the top 10? Uh, possibly, because you know we, we always see one player, whether it's you know Thomas Peters or Bjorn Olsson. Uh, there's always someone that's sort of Justin Harding last year that, that sort of comes to the fray when they're not expected to. Um, and I just thought that the fact that Victor Perez has got uh, JP Fitzgerald on the bag, obviously Rory's former caddy, that you know he's striking the ball well enough. He's he's a top quality player. He's he's now got up there in you know in, in major championships and had that experience, gone close in the WGC. Like you know, I just think there's enough about him to suggest that he's a quality enough player to finish in the top half a dozen if you know things went his way. Ben. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I mentioned him top continental European for that reason. I think. You know, I would like to see more from him in Italy last time, but that was a that's a bit of a silly course, wasn't it? A bit um, just hit it as far as you can. Um, I'm not sure how relevant it is. He actually found his form again this year, uh, playing well in the PGA Championship, didn't he? So, um, I, I like Victor Perez, yeah, and I'd like to see him play well because though my primary concern with the Ryder Cup is that Europe win it, um, I would quite like to see him qualify because he's been hard done by the way things have uh, have unfolded. Um, if I may just mention a couple of outsiders of, of some interest, I think Bernd Wiesberger deserves some respect. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he hit the ball better in Italy. He's made the cut in all four master starts, um, 13 of his 23 majors. He's contended for a major, I think. We, we sometimes forget that, you know, he finished 15th in the 2014 US PGA, but he played in the final group. I don't think Bernd Wiesberg is going to win a major championship and least of all the Masters probably. But, um, you know, he, he looks like he's sort of getting there. I think if he was playing in Europe this week or, or next or whatever, uh, I'd be quite sweet on him. So um, he had to be of some interest. I agree with the Van Royen shout. Um I thought Siwoo Kim was moderately interesting, notwithstanding his failure to produce last week. And just the last one um, was Charles Schwartzel. Uh, I wrote in my profile of him, I have no idea what to expect, really. Um, and, and that's true. But it, w- these days, when he's on, he's on. And when he's not, he's not. And there's, there's very little in between. And that's not necessarily the worst thing if you're betting each way, is it? Um, it you know, I wouldn't take three to one, for example, in the top South African market because of the risk that he's not on. But 200, 225 to one outright in a tournament he's both won and placed in, um, given that he's produced flashes of brilliance this year. I, it was semi-interesting, but then I, I came to my senses, I think. And I think we're all in agreement that, you know, we're, we're now down in the realms of can you pinch ninth or tenth, which doesn't really make a great deal of appeal. You know, I'd rather try and find someone who might have a chance to, to win the thing. Yeah, I think that, that you know, sums it up pretty nicely. I, I do like the Wiesberger shout is one that I looked at um, and was why I kind of steered away from the continental Europe market, because I think that he's, 
he's very likely to make the cut, which is obviously a big, you know, okay, that's not going to be enough to beat John Rahm, but, you know, he's he's very solid here. And as you say, he has got that, you know, major championship, you know, experience. Um, and he's just a winner, isn't he? You know, albeit at a different level, he's, if he gets in the in the mix and he's got a, you know, a chance of winning, he could, you know, definitely put the foot down and, and step forward I don't again I don't think he's quite good enough to to overcome the very best Jason but I thought he was interesting enough one to mention but for me it, you know that there is no real need to go here although you can get outsiders win the Masters I don't think you can get triple digit winners no absolutely no. and and I think as we say I think the front is so strong this year that I mean I, I just you, you can't as Ben says you're, you're chasing the bottom place you're throwing away the win money um, there are other ways of getting with these players, I think, rather than throwing away half your stake as soon as you write the bet out. So, yeah. just, just with those names we mentioned, I, I think we probably all assume Rahm is going to win top continental European, right? But if you do have any doubts about Rahm, just to go back to those eight players, it's Rahm, Molinari, Wiesberger, Stenson, Cabrera, Bayo, Perez, Langer, Olofarbo. Well, we'd we take out Langer and Olofarbo straight away. I'd take out Cabrera Bayo, who's playing terribly. I'd Stenson the same. Yeah. You've only got Molinari, Wiesberger, and Perez left, right? You can back Perez and Wiesberger at about six to one combined, maybe five to one. Um, you know, if all you're asking is for John John Rahm to have a shocker, and that bet probably wins. Um, so if you if you're thinking say to back John Rahm to miss the cut or whatever, you, I just urge people to be a bit more creative and look for those ways you can you can oppose a player by um, siding with others if you like and i think that's one way that you you, you maybe turn over the favorite anyway well that's the thing it's an important thing you mentioned because people do like to be contrarian they do like to say well you know john rahm's going to blow up and have a terrible saturday and, and miss the cut well there's no actual value really you know in terms of doing that when you can look at these side markets like you say stenson not only has he had his struggles okay he's played better at augusta recently but he, he's you know struggling with injury struggling with form he's he's if he hadn't have won that very limited field event, okay, yes, if he hadn't have won is a very ridiculous thing to say, but it was a very limited field event and he got a lot of world-ranking points for it, but it didn't really mean a lot. Uh, Cabrera Bello is is gone for a little while, and I just think, like you say, it's, it's Perez and Wiesberger are probably much better than their value there. The other, the other side market that I was interested in was uh, the top Canadian, because it seems to me that people are very sweet on Corey Connors, and he is rightly the favourite. But I just thought that maybe Adam Hadwin, um, you know, he's had two decent performances here. Um, you know, he's made the cut in both. He's finished first, he's hit for 24th. I know he was in a lot better form. He was a lot better player then. Um, but, you know, you're relying on Corey Connors, who's not the most reliable type. I know he's a good ball striker. But, but Jason, do you think that's a, somewhere that you could look to? Yeah, I think all these side markets are places you can look to. When, when there's there's somebody that's not in the top 25, 30 of your of your estimations, I think anyone that's that's 11 to 10, even money, um, if you can make a case to oppose them, then then absolutely why not? Um, and yeah, I mean Nick Taylor doesn't. I mean Nick Taylor's been backed. I mean, I, you know, um, can't believe that really. Um, but yeah, if you're going to oppose Nick Taylor, Mike Weir's obviously you know not going to do anything. Nick Taylor looks in woeful form and can't play around here. So, yeah, yeah, why not? Adam Hedwin, I, I can't argue with you. Um, you may only have to finish 35th to collect, might you? Yeah, so that, that was the main reason for me, is I don't think Adam Hadwin has to play that well. He might even win it just by making the cut and 
and he can obviously do that. I know Connors is in decent form at the moment, but it's he's not someone that goes on massively extensive runs. It's just he's a, a consistent ball striker, Ben, that maybe that's why he appeals in that market. Yeah, um, I, I think you found a good market. I, I happen to think Connors is probably the bet, but I think you found a good market because <laughs> you've got you've got Nick Taylor in there who's taking up 20, 25% of the book and he's I don't know, he's got much chance at all. And you throw another, I don't know what they make weird, 20 to 1 maybe, it's another 5% of the book, isn't it? So um, it, it's a good market. You've got two potential winners and they're both odds against, so it's a good market. Um, which one comes up? comes out on top I wouldn't be sure I was hoping I have to say to back Bubba Watson top lefty I thought with there being um, you know nothing Phil's record here obviously um, we might get a bit bigger but he's four to seven now I think you know three weeks ago when they were just about the same price outright I thought that looked like it might be um, one of the better bets coming in but unfortunately four to seven's four to seven isn't it but I think if you if you're looking to put up some multiples i'm sure there'll be people who who do want to back ram against those questionable continental europeans um you can even have him at one to ten now to be the top spaniard he's only got rafa cabrera Bear to be <laughs> but there will be people who like to find these markets and i have to say um if there is a tournament where perming some favorites in these markets probably isn't the worst shout it will be the masters because there's so many players here who, who we fairly certain will struggle i think even throughout this conversation when we've mentioned some of the surprise names who've popped up you know Thomas Peters. I think you mentioned Tom. It makes sense, though, doesn't it, that Thomas Peters would play well, and he wouldn't have been one who, had we been talking before that renewal, we'd have been writing off. And I think that's key. Like you really can go through some of these with a, with a permanent marker, and and when you do that, you start to find some, you know, four to seven, four to six favourites who, really have nothing to beat. Yeah, absolutely. The only one I hadn't seen a market for at the moment was the top amateur market, and I was quite interested in that because I thought that, um, you know the you could oppose some of the others because they've kind of been sort of out of form um you know they got into it a long time ago and, and yuxin lin made sort of an appeal to me as you know he played here last year and got into it again as an amateur and maybe that that extra bit of course one may have helped jason yeah i mean i i you know um obviously we previewed this earlier on and i put up uh, andy ogletree winner of the um of the uh amateur event beat um john augustine um patting the lights out and I thought that that would be um, quite crucial coming to Augusta but obviously it's, it's nine months later they've both played professional tournaments Augustine has done slightly better but the Ogletree has shown flashes but neither of them have shown anything that's particularly particularly worthy of note here so um, Yaxin Lin did have some, some great form didn't he on the amateur circuit but you know it's, that's not a market for me now in November um, so I'm, I'm leaving that well alone Ben, any more business in terms of uh, betting or do you think it's now just a case of putting up our selections and uh, fingers crossed? Yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, um, I will be looking closer and, and again at the, the various specials markets. So I'm, I'm sure I'll find a first round leader somewhere. It may, it may well be Westwood. The other thing will be, the you know, we've got three balls draw still to come, haven't we? And I, again, I, 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 it's a good week for betting. It's not something you I like to say because... Um, you set yourself up, don't you? To and, and generally speaking, with majors, I'm happy to get out just about level, which was the case in the PGA and the US Open. Actually, thanks to the three balls. Um, but with the Masters, it's different. I mean, this is the week where bookmakers are out really to get customers for the next 12 months. Um, I know people will have problems getting on. Don't get me wrong, but when they're giving you 11 places in a field where there are 40 maximum potential winners, probably only 40 people who can fill the places, um, you know, bookmakers are going to lose money this week. They will. Um, so it is a good week 
uh, for the punter. The, probably the best week of the year for the punter. And that's reflected in my staking plan. I never stake 20 points. Um, it, it, you know, I never put two of the top four in the betting up, but I, I think you have to treat Augusta as it is a unique golf tournament in so many ways. And, and above all else, um, I, I just can't wait for it to get going. You know, it's been, it's been a long wait, hasn't it? And, um, you know, as I wrote in my preview, things are things are looking up. I feel, I feel yeah. bullish about the world. So, uh, ro- roll on Sunday in a green jacket for one of my four or Tommy Fleetwood. Absolutely, it, it's just a case of having something to look forward to now. Like you say, it, it, you know, we're not going to get sort of too dramatic about things, but it'd be it'd be nice to have something to take our mind off of things instead of sort of watching golf tournaments that we're sort of waiting for the Masters. This is what we've all been building up to. Um, there's a lot of hype videos if you want to go and find those. Um, I know, Jason, you sort of said that it doesn't quite feel like the build-up, but I'm sure on Thursday that'll all go to the wayside and you'll be just as excited as the rest of us, maybe, as long as Jason Day hasn't got the first-round lead. Um, Jason, who are your outright selections for the event this week? Um, I have not actually backed anybody on the outright. Um, it'll be, I'll be very, very surprised. I mean, you know, you only have to look at the stats. Last eight weeks, these people are flying. Um, Bryson DJ, Xander, JT, Watson and Brooks. One of them doesn't win. I'll be surprised. Better the day for me, um, and I'll put this up on the life whenever it, whenever it goes up. Uh, Hills this morning put up Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson's finish in the top ten, including ties at four to one. Um, I think that that that's you know that says it all. I think that's an amazing price. Um, you're obviously restricted. I managed to get on sixty percent of what I wanted, which I thought was quite fair. Um, I don't see them out of the top top ten at all, and you can have your ties as well. Um, just as a, as a comparison, I think they put up JT or a Deki Matsuyama to win at seven. So um, as a comparison, that top 10 bet is, is an absolute cracker. If it's still there, it's probably bigger now because I've backed it. But if it's still there, <laughs> you know, have what you want in it because I, I, I don't see it getting beat. Um, I, I, you know, I want Xander to win. I'm not on Xander. I didn't back Xander because I don't sit on tickets for eight months, unfortunately. Um yeah, uh, one of them, one of them will win, and that's that's it. I'm going to enjoy it because it's going to be a fantastic spectacle, and I really hope that the majority of that top 15 in the betting are within three shots of each other come Sunday morning, and you know, let them fly. Um, so I'm going to really enjoy it, and and that's the way I'm going to approach it. Yeah. Yeah, I found it really hard to choose out of the top sort of half a dozen, so I decided not to. Um, I think that. This possibly Boring, could be it. the year that Dustin, John- yeah, Dustin Johnson does get it. But he, like uh, Ben said, although uh, we sort of said that maybe Price shouldn't be something you focus on, when he went from 12 to 9s, that was enough to put me off. So I just stuck with Tony Finau, who I think is a lot of it is probably um, just the fact that I really like Tony Finau and think that he will win a major at some point. And Bubba Watson on his course record. Um, and then I will sort of look at ways to get kind of the likes of Westwood's co-crack and Victor Perez on board as well. Ben, your selections, please. Yeah, so Justin Thomas, by far and away, was uh, the first name on the list. Uh, as as the weeks have progressed since uh, he became a dad, uh, God, I'm an idiot. Um, Rory McIlroy has, has, has worked his way onto the <laughs> list as well. Um, Hideki Matsuyama won me over at the weekend. Um, I, I hand on heart don't think he's a great price, but I think he is the place part of the bet is a very, very good bet. Um, and for that reason, he goes in. And I thought Cameron Champ was interesting. So he, he got in as well. Um, but yeah, like you guys, I think, I think we're, we're not going to be surprised by the winner. Um, it's a case of who, who gets lucky and, and is on it. And, you know, um, 
if it's one of these great if not it'll be brooks or dj or i just you know obviously i hope it isn't bryson but that's that's a personal matter <laughs> um ben i would uh be unfair to our listeners if i let you go without asking a question everyone wanted to know is about your favorite biscuits and i know you told me that uh <laughs> you, you were were you giving them up because was, was the missus trying to get them out of your diet or something along those lines but uh I think she'll have to let you off for Masters Week, so give us a clue what you like to dunk in your tea oh, whilst you're watching uh, I, Justin Thomas on a Sunday. Genuinely, you're talking to one of the world's great biscuit eaters, um, so I'm <laughs> glad we've I found kindred spirits in the podcast world. Um, I think the, the one which has underpinned my life in biscuits has been the Bourbon. Um, you know, it's a working class biscuit, Tom, no question about <laughs> it. Many of the best biscuits are. Um, I, I think it's a reliable, a reliable choice. I think there's a great degree of variance in the Bourbon world. Um, ironically, having just called it a working class biscuit, in my opinion, the best Bourbons are, are Waitrose Bourbons. Um, so the Bourbon will probably get the vote. But look, I fluctuate. A chocolate hobnob is a classic. Obviously, I like a malted milk. Um, a ginger has become increasingly a staple uh, of my diet. I, I have a serious biscuit problem. So I'm glad you asked. But I'll I'll select the Bourbon because it's, you know, from my favorite memories of childhood are uh, sitting on the sofa with my granddad eating bourbons watching faulty towers so it will stay with me for my life no, no doubt in terms of betting markets i'd have thought jason that bourbon would have been a bit further down the list actually i'd have i'd have probably made something like a chocolate digestive yeah, I would have had a chocolate i'd have had a hob- chocolate hobnob as a as a, as a night before jolly i think yeah, look, you've been you've been absolutely gubbed if you backed chocolate hobnob because I could so easily have said chocolate hobnob, um, but um, yeah, I'm going I'm going with the bourbon. It's just like I said, it's a working class biscuit, and and they, that's what you know. There's a lot to say for that. You know, forty uh, p for a pack or whatever. You, you know, what can I say? Give give us one biscuit, Ben, that the, the world oh, loves oh, that you that you hate. Well, is I, there anything you hate? Uh, there there are. Um, I suppose I don't know whether what you guys I don't want to get into this you know I, I live in the north and you know <laughs> bit, w- wars have been fought over this in the north but you know if you count a Jaffa cake as a biscuit absolutely the Jaffa cake I can't stand them if you count a jammy dodger as a biscuit I, I don't want any 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 of that I don't want jam or orange in my biscuit oh, I want chocolate or oats or you know um so they would be my my two candidates I think beyond that you would find it hard um the only other one that springs to mind is that, and this may not even have happened outside of the Midlands where I grew up, they, for for a while you could buy like a custard cream, but the middle bit was orange. Oh, that is yeah, straight. Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. heard of that. It, it may that, have been to, sort of, it may have just been Loughborough in the 1990s um so if so um maybe one listener will recognize that but that was a truly horrible biscuit um and i will never eat it again if such a biscuit still exists jason have we covered our favorites before the previous previous show or yeah, not? I yeah, yeah tom we have yeah i just like you know what you don't ask you know scott stallings oh no he's on a diet hey you don't ask um you know the guests are. You know yeah, I will. Thank, don't know thank, what a biscuit thanks is. Us, thanks for joining us from the southeast of America. What's your favourite biscuit? But they, uh, they are. When you talk about biscuits to them, they're scones, aren't they? They don't know the difference between the two. So it's a pointless, futile discussion between them. It was my favourite. Um, it was my favourite first line. Whenever I was um, in my younger days, is what's your favourite biscuit? 
Juice to knock him dead. Anyway. <laughs> also, also, there's someone I admire on Twitter. Is there's a guy that asks every famous person in the world what their favourite cheese is, and he's actually managed to get, amongst others, a response from Vladimir Putin, which I thought was absolutely <laughs> yeah, outstanding. His favourite is is the Ritz in it. Yeah. You, yeah. You would not be eating a piece of cheese given you to buy Vladimir, would you? <laughs> Absolutely not. Look, that's enough silliness for us. I just wanted to add that in because I know there'll be there's got to be one listener that will go. You didn't ask Ben what his favourite biscuit was, and Julia. Uh, Julia. yeah, despite the fact it being a hundred years ago that we actually mentioned it, I thought we'd better sneak it in there. So, look, gents, thank you very much for joining me. I think now, by now, most people that follow the Masters know what kind of test it is, and it's a case of they'll listen to this and possibly still pick their favourite players anyway, but we've tried to give everyone the reasons for and against, especially the top sort of 10 or so in the market and I think we've covered it pretty well, so Ben thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, thanks gents and enjoy enjoy the week. And Jason I shall see you again next week, well I won't actually see you I suppose but I'll hear you. What dire stuff we got next week, okay, no problem. <laughs> I can't actually remember what it is next week. But are, we, are we off to South Africa? I can't wait to get yeah. to South Africa. Oh, Surely yeah. Shapanka Sharma is going to win an event in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, Surely that's going to happen. Absolutely. I hope yeah. so. I hope so. There, there we go. There we go. So we've got that to look forward to as well next week. Everyone, enjoy the Masters, and we'll see you all soon.